This is AutoLine This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. Hi, I'm John McElroy, and welcome to AutoLine This Week. You know, the Consumer Electronics Show is the biggest tech show in the world. Actually, they don't even call it the Consumer Electronics Show anymore. It's just CES. And it's become a magnet for the automotive industry, both automakers and suppliers alike. So what does the 2022 show hold in store for the industry? We're going to be getting into that because my special guest today is Gary Shapiro. He's the president and CES of the Consumer Technology Association, which is the association that runs CES. And Gary, it's so good to have you back on the show again. John, it's my honor to be on this show. We could not have a CES going forward without uh, saying hello to you because you're the official welcome show for CES. Well, that's great, Gary. Also joining me today, we've got Pete Bigelow from Automotive News and Sam Abulsamid from Guidehouse Insights. And Pete and Sam, great to have the both of you here too. Always well, great to be on the show. So Gary, you know, everybody knows that CES is like, the tech mecca of the year. It brings in technology companies from all over the world, but it's also become huge for the automotive industry. Take us through the trip a little bit. You know, the last decade, how much growth have you seen from the automotive industry? Where does it stand right now? And what is driving uh, automakers and suppliers to CES? Well, it's almost tracing the, the, the last 20 years or so of the automobile itself, because 20 years ago, we talked about uh, zero to 60 and how quick it would be and, um, you know, the power of the car, the size of the engine, things like that. But then I think automakers realized that people are also interested in some of the technology in the car. You know, if you had a Sony or Bose or Kenwood or JVC, sound system was like, maybe that's why you'd buy the car. Then as we got into navigational products, there's a lot of people like me that are challenged in that area. And that's like really important to have. Uh, and then a source of entertainment and all these things started happening. And then um, it was it was just not the brand. It was the partnerships with the technology companies. And now the car is the platform. The car is the technology. And uh, it's something we've been talking about, that convergence for a long time. Uh, I live in the Detroit area. I see it firsthand. I'm very... Uh, proud and thrilled at the fact that as we predicted that everything would converge, the CES would be the center part for that. And we've seen the shift in technology to now we have the ma- not only the major car companies, but it's the infrastructure of the car uh, technology production itself. It's the, the companies that, that, that are part of that, like Bosch and Continental and others that are there. And they're cutting deals with each other. The, some of the exhibitors are there to see each other. Uh, but also to see other technology companies to partner because one thing that's changed in the technology world, and this isn't just automobiles, this is just about all business now, is that first of all, every company is a technology company. And second, no company can do it alone. So it's all about partnering and working together. It's on a global basis. And at the same time, there's these incredible shifts and trends that we know that are out there to to self-driving, to electric, to mobility that last mile. And we're seeing it all at CES. And we're even seeing companies like John Deere and helicopter companies and others and drone companies, because how we get things and people from one place to another is incredibly important. The technology has moved. So a lot of science fiction ideas of 30, 40, 50 years ago are real products today. And we're going to keep going in that direction. 
Gary, can you give us an idea of how many auto tech companies, how much square footage is devoted to auto tech? Uh, what, what, give us a by the numbers for CES 2022. Actually, I can do that. And um, I will compare with CES 2020 because as I'm sure you all know, 2021 this year, CES was purely digital. So the comparisons don't really work by the numbers. Uh, but in CS 2020, we had 155 exhibitors in the automobile area, um, not counting meeting rooms. Um, and in CS 2022, at this point, we're at 200 uh, exhibitors. At 2021, uh, we were at about 300,000 square feet of exhibit space, making one of the largest auto shows in the world. And that's pure exhibit space. That doesn't count aisles if you're doing, so you do apples and apples comparison. And we've gone from 300 to about 330 thousand square feet. That's a pretty significant increase of space. It's a record for us um, in terms of the footprint of the automobile, in terms of the number. We even have a new facility we moved. Uh, and I mean, a real new facility. Las Vegas uh, Convention Authority spent over a billion dollars to build this this new hall. And it's um, it's where we have the auto companies. It's the auto companies used to be a side of the show. Now they're one of the main events. And I think uh, that's why we have auto companies from all around the world coming. And it's, um, it's even with all the things in the pandemic and everything else, we're still seeing one out of three of the people that register for the show are uh, from outside the U.S. Um, you know, we'll see how that plays out in the next few weeks. And uh, people come, but just from an exhibiting standpoint, we even have companies we've never had before. Um, we have all sorts of, uh, we have a Turkish automobile company. We have a Vietnamese automobile manufacturer. So we have a, quite a story of autos at CES. Hmm. What, uh, you know, when, when I fir my first time at CES was in 2008, when GM was demoing the, uh, the, the vehicle that won the DARPA, the DARPA Urban Challenge the year before, uh, that was my first ride in an autonomous vehicle, was at CES in the, in the gold lot. Uh, and, and back then, I remember walking into the hall and most of the, the hall where the automotive stuff was you know, basically big audio systems and things like that. And it's, it really has transformed over the past, what, 14 years uh, to, to really being about more about all this other technology. And as you say, you know, the, the partnerships, how many of the, of those 220 odd uh, companies in the automotive sector, would you say are, you know, really uh, doing, you know, the enabling technologies that are creating the vehicles of the future, as opposed to automakers? Well, you know, there's only a handful of, a couple of handfuls of big automakers around the world. And then there's startup automakers. So that, that's one group. I'd say that's in terms of maybe the exhibit size might be different than number of exhibitors as a ratio, but we definitely have a lot of enabling technologies, but there is, there's also companies that are part of the ecosystem in, in one way, or they're trying to sell one thing. Um, and they will be, you know, when companies sign up, they don't tell us exactly what they're doing. So we expect significant announcements there from the, not only the big auto companies, but also from the companies that are selling the, the tier one suppliers, the tier two, or the people that want to become tier two or tier, tier one. It, it, there's just so much going on there. And a lot of what happens is happening behind closed doors and meetings where there's NDA sign and things like that and partnership that forms and they're creating later announcements essentially. So, um, you know, from the press point of view, CES is all about the announcements, but for most of the people that come, it's about business. It's about, 
you know, should what? How's our partnership doing? Should we enter a partnership? Hey, does our technology work with yours? What will happen? And the and the other layered on top of this is, you know, we've had an extraordinary twenty two months now of not seeing people face to face, and in the last couple of months, I've had uh, I've been in um, Paris and in Amsterdam and New York and Washington with events, and every one of them has been extremely satisfying, and I would actually use the word joyous hmm. because as much as we've related to each other the way we are now over the internet, um, there's something about being face to face and looking a person in the eye and establishing that human bond that we've all felt missing. And, and I get this not only from the journalists who have attended our events, but I also get it from CEOs and others who have, uh, it's just the, the humanness has been lacking in work. And without that, as I saw a TV ad this morning, without, humanity into the equation work is just work if you don't have the human part of it and that's and that and we need that for creativity we need it for innovation we need it for partnerships we need it for trust we need it for relationships and that's why it's so important i think that we're getting back in a face-to-face environment and there's this pent-up demand that's absolutely huge there so and you layer on that you know we have new companies we have a new facility we even have you know elon musk's um, one of his ventures, in addition to Tesla, is underneath in Las Vegas, there's a tunnel that he's created and he's working on the second one. But they, the one tunnel will work as a connector between two halls where they'll have Tesla cars going deep underground back and forth and saving a few minutes and with a 30-second car ride. Uh, although it's a self-driving car, there'll be a driver there uh, for at least this year's iteration. And that um, we've heard good things from other shows that have used it and it's pretty exciting. And that And they're building... The second one will definitely be done in time for our January 23 event. Gary, that's pretty cool. What, what other kind of cool automotive related things do you think that we should be on the lookout at for uh, at CES? Well, you know, that's a great question. So one of the partnerships we have is with the uh, Indianapolis Speedway people. Uh, I, I was in at their Speedway uh, in late October. And there's um, what they did is they announced a self-driving challenge, an autonomous challenge. Um for the universities around the world and they created a standardized car. And then the, these universities, kids, students uh, had teams to program it. And they had a face off that culminated in this event in Indianapolis on the speedway. And the, and the top 10 winners of that event are coming to Las Vegas using the Las Vegas speedway. And they'll have a face off to get, I think it's a, a million dollar prize. Uh, but you know, when I first heard it, I couldn't quite figure out. I mean, like, the fact that they had cars that I was watching self-driving get up to 140 miles an hour, go through obstacles, things like that was fascinating. But what's the real life application of that? And then it was explained to me, uh, you know, police cars, fire engines, ambulances, they're going to be self-driving also. And they have to be safe and you have to be able to go faster. And actually at some point in the future, in theory, if, 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 if cars are either self-driving or have even lower level uh, collision avoidance, Maybe we can go faster and get places faster. Uh, and I know that there's a driving a car for many people is, is like a religious experience. And, and I would almost put it akin to some people who have guns and, you know, it's, you know, you're going to take the gun out of my hand. But we have uh, research of Americans which show that they're ready for it. Um, a lot of Americans, of course, like any transition to a totally new technology, you don't know you need it or want it until you experience it, whether it's the remote control, the garage door opener, the computer, the internet, or even more recently, the, you know, the smartphone or the tablet, 
or streaming television or of choice of more than three. Every, in my career, I've watched the arc of technology for so many different technologies. And if you ask people what they want, as Steve Jobs never did, he never asked what they want. He just created a product that he knew people would crave when they saw it and what it could do. Uh, people will want it. And, if, and, and, and we're still at the very beginning of this with self-driving. And if you think about where we could go, not definitely will go, but could go, is there'll be different types of cars based on whether you want the office experience, the entertainment experience, the sleeping experience, uh, the romance experience, who knows. But if, if, a, if there'll be a whole new types of cars developed and you know i look forward to seeing the ces you know 5 10 15 years from now if i if i could hang around that long uh to see what we'll, what we'll see there so it's not only about safety and it's not only about empowerment empowering disabled and older people who you know once you get to that stage of life where your your driving privileges are taken away from you it's it's a it's it's a real bummer i i've heard um but, and also, you know, the fact that, so what if the collision repair industry is going to suffer over the years, you know, and lives will be saved and there'll be fewer emergency vehicles and things like that. I mean, but we will get to a safer, more humane environment, but then we'll get to a more productive environment and greener, a greener environment, obviously. But the shift to self-driving is inevitable. It's a, it's a national um, challenge and also the shift, uh, to, uh, electric, you know, Mary Barra in January, 2021 at CES announced GM is going electric and the stock price shot up. And now we see this, you know, GM and Ford are coming on strong against Tesla. There's other car companies that are obviously Rivian and others are, you know, taking Wall Street by storm in ways that is frankly baffling to people like me who look at these great car companies like Ford and GM and their valuation is somehow eclipsed by a car company that didn't exist a few years ago. But at some point things will, you know, there'll, there'll be a competition and there'll be winners and there'll be losers. But the, the ideas that come out of it, the consumer benefit is what I'm focused on. And innovation is so important in making the world better. And that's what CES is about. It's about getting people together. Gary, I was going to ask you about exactly that. Uh, like Sam said before, my first ride in an autonomous vehicle was at CES I think with Audi in 2015 or 2016. Uh, so my question would be, is is the autonomous thing just a novelty at this point uh, as far as demonstrations at CES go? And do you sense there's a, a big wave of announcements on the electric vehicle front that are, that are forthcoming this year? Well, I think we'll see a lot of electric um, announcements um, of various types. But in, but I don't I think autonomous or I like to call it self driving. I know there's great debate about what you should call it, but whatever we call it, whether it's self driving or autonomous, it is real. Now the question is obviously is is you know there's two theories about the you know will people be happy with level three and level four? You know active collision avoidance is such you know it's it's in a lot of cars now, and and I have a a GM Cadillac I just leased and. Um, it lets me know before I'm about to hit, it takes over if, if it thinks I'm going to hit. And that's, you know, I don't know if my life's been saved, but I know lives are being saved. And at some point, you know, people generally like that. They, they start looking for it. I think the challenges is when you get into a rental car that doesn't have it, it's like the, the backup beepers or things like that. It's just, you know, you grow accustomed to things and it becomes a little more dangerous to use one. That's not that when, when you just, assume it's in there. Uh, but will, whether people will stop at level three or level four, or, or they'll demand level five. But I think given the number of deaths from car accidents and, and the number where people fall asleep, and there's all sorts of products out there that 
you know, stop you from falling asleep or wake you up or, or notice things or notice that your car is out of lanes. I mean, there's so many great things that are happening so quickly. And even just the recent announcement by Intel that, it, you know, it's spinning off uh, the company that it, it acquired, uh, just uh, um, Mobileye. Just a, Mobileye, just, a, you know, the Israeli company from a few years ago at probably a much higher valuation. It's just, it's very exciting. Um, these companies obviously have a life of their own now, and that's where the action and excitement is. And, uh, and I'm so happy and pleased, honestly, to see that Detroit has stepped up because it didn't seem like they were a few years ago. Although, although you know, some of the, I was trying to think back the first car company, CS, and it was the car PC. And it was a partnership, I believe, between Microsoft and Ford. And I'm trying to come up with a year. But that was, you know, it was ambitious, but um, clearly it didn't work, like a lot of the first things out there. But this is so, we are so way beyond that at this point, that every car now has a computer in it. You know, they're not, clearly not Microsoft products for the most part, but uh, they're out there. And they're, and we saw with the chip shortage, uh, the reliance on chips. And these are basic chips that cars are using. And we're seeing how cars are, you know, just now you have to give up some features if you if you want to sell cars because the chips just aren't there. And that will sort itself out at some point. Uh, but we are heading in a direction which is pretty clear. I believe like in 10 or 15 years, the majority of the cars in a row will be fully self-driving uh, because once you get there, and, and I think there'll be always, uh, you know, the dream cruise is so cool and I'm there every year. It's a few blocks from my home. Uh, down Woodward. Uh, it's, you know, we're never going to get away from the beauty and the excitement of classic cars or even new cars. And there'll be people that want to drive them. But how that plays out in the marketplace and how insurance company deals with it, there's a lot of questions that are just not answered. But it'll be it, exciting ride. Gary, earlier you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the boring companies, uh, Tesla shuttles running underneath the convention center. But the last couple of times I've been at CES, um, there's also been a number of uh, uh, presentations, announcements around urban air mobility going above ground. And uh, is, is that something that uh, you're expecting to see more of this year or uh, more expansion of, of those kinds of announcements at all? Well, there will definitely be a presence there. Uh, it's definitely a hot subject. And it's, it's clear that there's investment being made in that space. It's part of mobility. Uh, we've had, we had a great debate internally with whether what we should call um, what we're doing with vehicle electronics. And uh, we're still with vehicle electronics because, uh, but I, I suspect that 2023 CES will, will, will probably broaden the category to call it mobility because there's so much there. Whether it's John Deere, which is uh, now I think will be the third CES in a row participating in because agriculture is a great self-driving opportunity and they've positioned themselves as a tech company there. Or it's these, these urban, <laughs> it's funny because agriculture is obviously rural, but you have this urban mobility companies coming quickly and strongly and that's obviously a way of getting things. I think the um, the pandemic has is kind of heightened the value of having uh, self driving. It's and it's also, you know, in retrospect, expanded the opportunity for just all car sales because it's the ultimate private driving experience. But if you go self driving, especially, uh, you'll have more. And if you go into the air, there's a lot of space there. I mean, there are issues obviously with zoning and safety. But if you, when it comes time you know, we see the things like that, like how did that urban air mobility start? If you look at it, it really started with getting organs and blood and samples in the healthcare world from one place to another. And there's countries even now where you have drones distributing things all around. And then you have Amazon involved now with drones and, you know, to get the person in the car, in that 
in that is clearly feasible. I mean, there's issues of distance and there's issues of zoning and there's issues of landing and sound and noise. Uh, but there's a desire, I think, and this is, uh, gone from, uh, the Bush to the Obama, to the, uh, to even Trump and now Biden administrations, there's been a continuous desire to see the U.S. lead on these things, whether it's self-driving or urban air mobility or drones, uh, to get this out there as delivery mechanisms, especially because, you know, in large part, when you're talking about health and safety and saving lives, you know, with this delivery of getting past, getting that past mile of delivering drugs or, or tests or medical stuff. Uh, and, and you know, we're seeing it in, believe it or not, third world countries, rather quickly because you can't get to the last few miles easily and when there's no real roads and it's just muddy and things like that. So certainly, uh, you know, projecting a world 20, 30 years from now, you're going to see the Jetsons with people flying all over. I mean, whether I don't think it'll be people piloting, but I think it'll be self uh, driving urban air mobility. But there are issues of human preference and peacefulness and sound, which which we're working out now but you know anyone who lives near water or has heard leaf or live in suburbia with leaf blowers or live near water and heard some of the skidoos or whatever they are or you know some of these things are pretty loud and people seem to tolerate them i personally am pretty sound conscious uh you know but those that month of the dream cruise i could definitely hear things through my window uh into the early morning hours and you but get that's a beautiful sound <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey gary uh How's the pandemic going to affect uh, CES 2022? Uh, I, I'm guessing there's probably not going to be many Chinese there, and there's been huge contingents that have come in from Asia. How's that going to, to work out or play out, do you think? Well, certainly it's it's affected our planning and every other event uh, in North America and Europe, frankly. Uh, the shows are smaller, a smaller footprint. Fewer people internationally are coming. Uh, we expect that. And and you hit the nail on the head with China. There's just so many issues every every week. There's a new one. Some of it are political issues and and others. But uh, we're probably having the smallest Chinese contingent we've we've had in the last 10 or 15 years or even 20. Um, but that's that's the way it is. It's OK. Uh, I was with uh, President Macron of France uh, in October and we talked about CES and France is sending a very large contingent again. Uh, I was in uh, the Netherlands uh, and I talked to Prince Constantine, uh, the startup community from the Netherlands will be there. Uh, but certainly people are coming more uh, of a business purpose. Uh, if it, Our experience, we expect, will echo those of other uh, major events where you get fewer people, but people are more serious. To use a car analogy, there'll be fewer tire kickers. And more people in the business of uh, of mobility or other things that we're, we have at show like uh, like healthcare uh, technology um, and of course entertainment other areas. But it, one of the things that, that didn't happen that I thought that might happen was that we, I thought when it came to speakers, uh, those of us that do a lot of speaking, you know, we got used to doing Zoom calls. You could do it from your home, and you didn't have to travel somewhere. And I thought we'd have a lot of requests for speakers to do that. I haven't heard of one. And the CEOs, they want to speak in person. They want to be there. They want to look at the audience. They want to establish the relationships. So, the the good news, I guess, is that the um, although like United Airlines has put on twenty four additional flights to to Las Vegas that week, uh, we will we will get fewer people, especially from abroad. Um, and we're widening the aisles just for just because of COVID. And we have a new facility. Um, 
so we expect things to be more spread out. There'll be it'll be easier to get around Las Vegas. The hotel room rates have have gone down, which is nice because that was one of the biggest complaints we've issues we've had to deal with. Uh, so we are definitely going to have fewer people. We are requiring everyone who comes to be vaccinated. Uh, Las Vegas for for indoor events. For, so the indoor portions of CES have a a masking requirement, and we'll we'll be enforcing that as well as having. Uh, the, the, the shuttle system we use the, on the buses when you're inside, uh, that'll be important. Of course, there are the traditional exceptions of eating, drinking, uh, the public speakers uh, won't wear masks, but it's definitely, and, and every company has some people that are concerned about going for various reasons. They may not want to get vaccinated. They may have people in their home that are vulnerable, whatever the reasons, there's definitely anxiety that, that people have and other people like I, I, I still fly almost every week and I'm, I'm pretty much there. I'm fully vaccinated. My even my kids are vaccinated at this point. I'm pretty comfortable, but we're following the the developing stories in this and the news. And you know, it's it's always seems to be two steps forward, one step back. But at some point, uh, you know, we're we're moving forward with life, and we want to encourage people that that are you know understand what's out there to to be smart, wear masks, be vaccinated, and if they're comfortable, show up in Las Vegas and do business. But that's. I've, since I've attended a number of events now, um, I'm pretty comfortable. And I've noticed that there's cultural differences in terms of how people approach it. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. We'll have fewer international people. I'm pretty certain of that. Uh, the Biden administration has announced that uh, you have to be tested uh, within 24 hours of getting onto a flight to the U.S. Uh, so that for the international people, that layer that's layered on as well. And, of course, there's um, you know people that will be doing some type of testing um, and that's something that, uh, you know, we're looking at what's what's happening in the world. And, uh, you know, we, we will keep adjusting as things develop. Well, it's great to get that update. I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap up this conversation at this point. Gary Shapiro, thanks so much for your time. Really looking forward to getting to the show. I know we're going to see a lot of really cool stuff there, as we always do. I'm waiting for the jaw dropper, you know, where you come around an aisle and there's just something there like, you know, Hyundai did with their VTOL or Bell did with theirs. Uh, so I'll be on the lookout for that. And and Pete and Sam, I'll see you guys at the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Thank John. you. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to it. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. 